Today's guest is that blue-eyed, bluegrass bad boy. You know it. Uh, he's a Grammy Award winner. Um, he has a new album, Renewal, that is out now wherever you stream music. Uh, he's the pride of Michigan. He just got back from the Grammys. So I'm looking forward to uh, just to getting it. know him. Today's guest is Mr. Billy String. Yeah, thanks for coming in, bro. No problem. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for all the wild music, dude. No problem, man. That's yeah. my pleasure. Um, how was the Grammys? You went to the Grammys. Yeah, that was great. Um, I brought my mom and dad out there. No. And did you get to take them last time? I know you've been before. Yeah. Um, no, the last time I didn't bring my parents. But this time, the record that I was nominated for was actually... A, well, I was nominated for three things. But the main one for me was this record that I made called Me and Dad, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a record that I made with my dad. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that taught me how to play and taught me all about bluegrass and stuff and taught me how to wipe my ass and tie my shoes and everything. So to kind of grow up and make a record with him was just a, a big deal, man. It was it was something that I've... It was like a bucket list thing for me for a long time, you know, Um like it had been weighing on you a little bit even? Oh, exactly. Yeah, because wow. I've been on tour. Like when I was 19, I hit the road and haven't stopped. And, you know, I'm like 31 now. And, um, you know, it was like, man, time just is slipping by. And my dad's getting older and I need to make this record. And then gigs just keep getting booked. And it's like, well, when am I even going to make it? And so eventually I just went to my manager and said, yo, let's block off time. I need to make a record with my dad. Like he's getting older. I'm getting old, you know. It's time. Like, we got to do this. So we did it. And it was awesome. You know, we got nominated for a Grammy. Brought my folks out there and, no. you know, had them posted up at the Sunset Marquee and just like showed them a great time, you know? Yeah. And um, that had to feel pretty amazing just because I think a lot of people want to have that moment where they kind of pay homage to the, to the, a family member, some, somebody who's gotten them emotionally there sometimes, man. you know? It's everything to me. My dad is just, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't know anything about bluegrass music and Doc Watson and all the stuff that I cut my teeth on and is the reason why I have a good life today and, you know, a career and everything. It's all because of when I was a little kid, he was so inspiring, you know, he's just sitting around picking and he was like, everybody's kind of like, we'd have parties and stuff and everybody would just be sitting around vibing and smoking a couple of joints, having a few beers, and my dad would be playing until he's, like, red in the face and everybody's singing along. And just, I was a little kid being like, damn, my dad's fucking cool as hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I want to be like that when I grow up. And so it was, I was a little shit already wanting to be a bluegrass musician. So it's like, well, what I've always wanted to do. So it's, you know, it's all because of him and bringing him out there and, like, walking on the red carpet with him wow. and shit. You know, he's, he's small town, old country folk like you know it was it was hilarious we were doing this interview for like billboard or some shit and and the guy's like oh my god you guys look fabulous who are you wearing and, and my dad's like well 
these are uh, Levi's, and uh, my son bought me this shirt, and I got my jacket at a Western store, and I was just like, this is fucking the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, what are you wearing? Uh, hand me up. So yeah, like, <laughs> who are you wearing? It's like, uh, hmm, Levi's, and, you know, and, yeah, well, and, this, and then, is my, this is my cousins, you know. And, yeah, the guy asked us, too, is like, asked my dad, like, who, if you could meet anybody here at the, you know, Grammys, who would you want to meet? And he said, Tommy Emanuel, which is so awesome he's just like a amazing guitar player and tommy Emanuel was yeah well he is you know and oh sorry bring him up yeah. yeah and then he um you know he ended up meeting tommy that day so it was oh. just yeah it's crazy and who does tommy play for wow he's just the man himself man he he plays solo and oh i'm not even familiar with him oh man he's a killer yeah he's a monster and he's an Australian. Yeah, I'm going to Australia in just a week or so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Tommy Emanuel. He's like, you know, grew up kind of, he's sort of from like that Chet Atkins school. Real. He knows a lot of, I mean, he can flat pick, he can play finger style, he can do everything. But he's a motherfucker on the guitar, man. There's a lot of good guitar players. I think, I don't know if Tommy lives around here, but there's this other guy, Jack Pearson, that lives here in town too that's like sort of, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people don't really know about him, uh-huh. but he's like the best guitar player I've ever seen in my life, I think. Jack Pearson? Jack Pearson. Let's that, get a look at him. Man. Oh, yeah. He's literally the guitar player's guitar player. He's he's the man. Jack Pearson. Yeah, man. He looks like an adventurous guy. What makes you say that? What makes you like admire somebody so much on the guitar? Well... I feel like when Jack Pearson touches the guitar, it's kind of like effortless. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's hard. It takes a lot of work. And, you know, I think people that are, when you see a true master sit down at their instrument, like at the piano or on their guitar, or whatever it is, it's just like breathing for them. Mm. You know, I mean, watching Jack Pearson's fingers go over the fretboard is just like water. You know, it's just so smooth. It's, and, I'm just like, how's that even possible? Um, wow, for you to say, how's that even possible? It's, it's just, it's, it's interesting to hear like somebody who a lot of people would consider amazing at something, how they then see somebody that's amazing at something, yeah. you know? I'm I, like, I'm a player and I've always been a player, but I'm not a master, you know? I'm not a Jedi yet, you know? There are people that are Jedis on their instruments, bro. Wow. That's like, crazy. For real. And then I they stick me in the room with them and say, go play. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't belong here. I recently just did this thing with Chris Thiele and Corey Henry, mm-hmm. who are, Chris Thiele is a, like, literally MacArthur Grant award-winning genius, like, the best in the world at his instrument. And, um, yeah. And what does he play? Mandolin. Oh, the mandolin. Yeah, man. There's a famous song, Mandolin Rain, right? Mandolin Rain? Uh, my friend Josh Kelly plays the mandolin. He, yeah, it was originally by Hornsby and Range, Bruce Hornsby. Oh, And yeah. then I think he re, what is it called when you re? Like a remix or re, redo it? Remastered a song or redid a song, yeah. Covered, yeah. <laughs> he covered it. Mandolin Rain, yeah. 
So were you? So you're sitting there at the Grammys with your parents. Yeah. And you're nominated. Uh huh. Wow, bro. So that energy when you're sitting there, because I've never been there, right? So like when you're sitting there, is it like, and you know, like how long do you know that your award is coming up next or something? Like how much? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we were kind of sitting there and and like waiting for ours to come and I would kind of go out and, you know, get a little, I got some nachos and shit and I would chill and I'd come back and are we up yet? You know, kind of thing. And, um, but it was great. Then the performances were great and, and we were having a good time. Uh, just like, I have a hard time sometimes being in loud environments because I like my ears ring constantly and I'm super sensitive to like, like if I'm in a restaurant and somebody scratches their fork on their plate or something, like, Dude, I'll snap. Dude, I will I will literally call the fucking police on somebody <laughs> who bangs or several against their plate too loudly. Like, I don't know what, what it you, is. I know what it is. It's unbelievable somebody would do that. <laughs> if there's a business that has chairs that when people pull them out, they make the most insane screeching sound and ruin the experience, and I will never... Go back to there. I will Google review there, um, but I will never return. There's a coffee place nearby. I, somebody pulled a chair out the other day. I used to love that place. I will nope. fucking not even drive by there in the daytime anymore. It's OV. I will go around because I don't even want to bring my energy over there where people are scraping stuff on the floor. <laughs> I think but yeah, yeah. Wonder, so, I, so do you guys get like burnt? Like, like you said, your ears ring. Is that a common thing amongst, um, like, I guess musicians? I never even thought about that. Yeah, I mean, some people get it. It's called like tinnitus or tinnitus. Uh, oh yeah, I've heard of tinnitus. Um, wait. Well, how does it say that it's pr pronounced? Because this is er the actual audiologist lady when I went there, and they. The doctor lady, she calls it tinnitus, mm -hmm. but I'm like, I don't get fucking arthritis. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't get. It's yeah. called tinnitus, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not in like a um. Yeah, I don't get like a shingilicus or whatever. If you're, <laughs> or like in a wheelchair. Tinnitus? No way. Tinnitus. 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 That's not, what it says. Tinnitus. Oh, tinnitus! I think is something you get in Memphis. Probably it's a little tinnitus. bit more. Tinnitus. Yeah, but that lady's the same lady in my car. That lady is not. I don't trust that lady. Yeah, she yeah. can't even tell. Oh, yeah, like when I play a song, she can't even recognize it on the fucking phone. So she can't recognize a my sister's name. Okay, I can't call my sister anymore because that lady won't let me. And um, and she can't even get me to Murfreesboro. So yeah, I'm out. Um, do you know in advance at, at the Grammys if you're gonna win or not, or you don't know? No, we have no idea. Wow. Um, and you know, it was just, to me, it was like all about bringing my folks there and having, of course. having that experience. You know, we went the last time, it's just an honor to be nominated and to be even spoken in the same sentence as the other nominees, like Molly Tuttle and Sam Bush and, um, Willie Nelson was in that category. And, you know, it's just, for me, it's like to even be in the a classmate of, of these people is like yeah. cool i'm in the same class at least i'm good that's enough honor for me like all i've ever wanted in my life is just to be like a respected musician and that's you know 
I guess like what it really is, the Grammys and stuff is just being recognized by your peers, mm. you know, and, and it, so it's, it's a great honor, you know, but it, it's really nice to win. Like I, I won one and it's, it's cool, but, um, it's not why we do it, you know? Oh yeah. I would have loved to get gotten my dad one. Yeah. But Molly Tuttle's record and her band and what she's been doing, um, she's been working her ass off. Like I gotta mentioned. tune into her. Yeah, she's Dude, I'm so glad you're here ass. to say some of these names because I it's I, I start thinking how I gotta get into more new music and I'm just not getting enough of it. Man, there's a lot of great bluegrass happening and, and I think there's like something happening right now where people are like getting back into bluegrass again. Or like, you know, banjo music and kind of hillbilly music. Well, I think people are generally, I think there's a general feeling in the universe, for me anyway, I know it is, that I want to get back to something that feels like uh, less industrialized. I want to get something back to something that feels a little bit more connected to something human inside of me. Man, I think that it like goes in circles almost. Um, if you think about... I mean, back in the day, like, let's say in the 50s and early 60s and stuff, there was a time where Blue Moon of Kentucky was like the biggest song out. Wow. It was like, uh, you know, one of Morgan Wallen's songs or something. Yeah. It was like the biggest hit. It was like Miley Cyrus' Flowers, Blue Moon of Kentucky, Keep On Shining. There was a time where Bill Monroe's song was like the biggest song out. You know, Elvis covered it. That was on the B side to one of Elvis's first, you know, I didn't know that releases. Yeah, but and then it's kind of like rock and roll came out, you know, and 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 stuff started getting really electric, drums, you know, all this stuff started happening. And then in the '60s, there was like this sort of whole barefoot sort of hippie movement where. People wanted to get organic and back to the earth again and play acoustic instruments and feel their feet on the grass and, you know. And then the 70s happened, which was just fucking, in my opinion, just one of the best eras of music. Like, really? And, and everything. Man, I feel like people were just making kick-ass records then. I feel like the records sounded good. The way they were recorded was just like the gear at that time was just killer. And I don't know. There's something about all when I go through my collection... The records from the 70s like stand out as like, for one thing, people were, you know, when they were in the studio, they were like working hard. Maybe they just had really good cocaine or something. Yeah. Oh, they probably did. I mean, we can't even, it's sad our kids can't even get good cocaine in this country anymore. It's but. kind of fucked. I oh, mean, it's unbelievable. It was a decent upper. I mean, you'd have a trucker would get there. Yeah. He could get his load done and get home to see his family. And now he can't even do it because he's yeah. on... You know, he's he's overdosed somewhere. He's, Shame, man. Yeah, or he's on those gas station uppers, which don't do anything. Yeah, or he's stopping every five minutes to do a bump because the shit ain't anything, and <laughs> yeah. he can't even make his haul, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. that, that disco shit used to make the whole trip, man. You feel like a dentist. <laughs> like you just got back from the fucking dentist after that shit. You know? Oh, your whole body felt like you got a molar pulled out of it. <laughs> felt like they pulled a molar out of your brain, man. Yes, that stuff was probably so good. I bet one little line would get you, like, guaranteed to get you to Atlanta. I'd you know, write an entire album. Yeah. I'd write an album. <laughs> yeah. I'd fucking, yeah, man. I'd be like, well, let's triple this guitar part. 
let's have three drummers. I need more didgeridoos, you know, and let's record it all to tape, and it's going to sound incredible. I need a tambourine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now, dude, I'll do a couple. Yeah, I mean, or I'm sober now, but I would do a couple of grams or whatever, and it's the shit's got so much Sherwin-Williams back end on it. It's like, just don't. I'm, it's just I'm not worth it. Next thing you know, I'm applying to do drywall. It's like. It's just not worth it anymore, and yeah. I mean, I think I like held out for like the last couple of years. I was like, okay, someday I'm gonna come across something good. Yeah. But it just never happened. And I was like, okay, it's actually over. Like, just it's not worth it anymore. Especially with all the fentanyl and shit. Like, people are dying from just you know. I I know people that have just gone out to just ha you know have a like harmless little party. Yeah. You know, and ended up dead because they did like a line or something. It's really it's I horrible. Mean, yeah. Oh, that that's unbelievable. And the fact that that family never got prosecuted that started that opioid epidemic, that didn't help anything either. Sorry. The Sackler? Yeah. like, oh, man. That shit. Dude, I wake up. I think half of America wakes up furious about that every day, that that family got off the hook. I mean, I grew up in a small town. Um, a lot of my homies were, at that time, like, mm -hmm. it was, you had people stealing from their grandmas and shit, oh. stealing their, you know, TVs and shit to sell to get money to buy oxys and shit, you know. Wow. And I remember doing that shit a little bit. I'd do it like, because it was just around. I mean, like I said, I grew up in a small town. I just never really had any rules. Just, yeah, where were you at? Well, I grew up in this little town called Muir. Muir? Population 666 last time I checked, Ooh, which is yeah. hilarious. Yeah, one. John Muir? No. I don't know. Just Muir, and it's right outside of this town called Ionia in Michigan. Ionia. Maybe I've heard of it. Yeah. Will you look up the population of Muir, Michigan? And Ionia was probably a slave town, I'm guessing, just by the name of it. It's a prison town. It is? It, there's like, I mean, when I was living there, there was like, uh, there's like seven prisons there. Wow. Like, most people either work at the prisons or like... Or in them, probably. Yeah, or, or getting hauled off to them. There we go. Wow, I told you, dude. dude 666 same. people. Oh, yeah, so. It's a small ass town. And and Ionia was like, you know, the town like where I went to school and, mm -hmm. and, and all that. Why are we talking about Ionia again? We're just saying what was it like like fit oh, like yeah, oxies, the oxies people and shit. getting oxies. Man, yeah. when I was in school and mm -hmm. shit, I was a terrible student. I you know, I had a handful of teachers. Like my home life was like kind of colorful at the time it was and this you had your dad was the music guy you spoke about yeah my parents you know are both just like really awesome uh they they're kind of old hippies and and but they're like hippies and redneck half hippies and half redneck in a way and it's like it's they're just kick-ass they taught me about so much good music you know my mom and shit Taught me about like everything from Hendrix to the Beatles and Zeppelin, and my dad taught me about Bill Monroe and and, and Doc Watson and Flat and Scruggs and about fishing and you know, uh, it's just like they're they were different parents, you know, and they, uh, during the time, I mean, like when I was in middle school and high school and stuff, like I said, it was stuff was kind of crazy, you know. At at home, you mean at the house? Yeah, and you know. We're all like, you know, my parents are, 
recovering addicts you know oh aren't, yeah aren't we all you yeah know? i am uh, yeah i was at a meeting two hours ago so yeah well good yeah. that's awesome man um, um so yeah no no judgment at all half our audience is there no and, and man so. they're doing so great these days and, and we all are too it's like we've all sort of made it through some crazy shit and we made it out the other side and we went holy shit how the hell do we do that but that is all that is to say that i'm super proud of my parents you know yeah these days they're and and i'm proud of myself you know we all made it out of that shit yeah it was crazy i mean over oh, did you struggle too sometimes i i don't want to say like that i never struggled because i mean i i was never like an at like a hardcore addict to yeah. anything i mean i i haven't drank in seven years but i don't even then i it's not like i I guess I'm an alcoholic. I would just, I don't know when to stop. Mm. Like every once in a while. It's like, it's not like I even drank all the time or anything, but every once in a while, it's like, man, we had a good gig. I remember the last night I drank was like June 16th, 2016. And we had this killer gig and it was crowd was ape shit and we sold a bunch of merch and it's like, yes, man, like let's go to the bar, like drinks on me. You know, and we had, we were all drinking. I mean, I, I did coke that night. I was drinking wine, beer, and liquor, and oh, yeah. it was just a. I didn't eat anything like for a day and a half, and it was just crazy. So I woke up the next morning and I had the worst hangover ever. And I was like, oh. And we got in the van. We had to drive like five hours to make it to the next gig to get there by three, so we could load in, sound check, and play our gig. But. I thought I was good to go, and then when I got in the van, I go, oh, hold up, and I went and puked by the bushes or whatever. Got back in the van. Um, ten minutes later, I'm going, oh, fuck, pull over. you know. And then every ten minutes for, you know, it took us seven hours to drive the five-hour drive because I had to stop and puke. We were late for load-in and sound check. We had to set up our gear in front of the audience all just uh, hungover. It was like embarrassing. It was yeah. all because I was so drunk the night before. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. And I haven't drank since. Well, they probably wait on something. Yeah. Sometimes when there's a moment, I feel like for me anyway, I know. And it just sounds like it. Like if there's a moment where you can get enough reflection where like it costs you something that means something to you, like in a moment. My career was just, I could see it. It was like, man, if I don't fuck this up, this I could actually turn this into something maybe. Yeah. It was like at the point where it was like. I shouldn't blow this, you know? Dude, that's crazy. Because that kind of moment doesn't happen to a lot of people. You know, where you just have that perfect thing where you're on stage, you're loading in, you're like, fuck, we're late. It's because of me. And it, it started as like, okay, I'm not drinking at least for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and shout out to everybody that's ever said that. Dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I'm not, okay. At least till next weekend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like till yeah. this baby's two. Yeah. 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 And then so that turned into uh, well, I'm not drinking for the rest of the week. And that turned into two weeks, months, two years, seven years. Yeah. Wow. It's like now I you know what a big moment for me was when I realized how many times I had slept in the hotel room with them little mini bottles in my fridge and I never even fucking thought about it. Yeah. One one day I was in there and I reach, reach in there to grab a Coke or something and I realized that I was reaching right past a bottle of Jack Daniels and then I realized how many other times I had done that before and then I never even fucking thought about, well, I'm all alone in my hotel room right now. I could just fucking, nobody would know. I'm just 
you know? And, and I've never even like thought about it. It's like, wow, it's really kind of out of the back of my mind. That's so good. You know? Yeah. And I think, um, I think people, people have started to evolve. I was looking at a chart the other day that drinking has gone. It's not as big on college campuses. Um, that it's just that drinking is kind of, it started to like dissipate or whatever the desire for it. Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to LSU and we were drinking over there. I think I was kind of like you. I didn't love, I didn't love getting all wasted, but. Oh, I fucking loved it. You I mean, did? I, oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like when it was going down, right. And yeah. it was like, wait a minute, man. Like it was the celebration thing. It's like, man, you get a couple in you. It's like all of a sudden it's tasting good. Even the more I drink, the better it tastes. And, and that's the other thing too is like, I never drank for, you know, people drink wine and they drink these heady beers, these hoppy beers and oh, and everything yeah. and all. That. And it's like, like whispering hooker. Man, or I grew up drinking fifths of McMaster's and Captain Morgan and shit. Oh, yeah. We didn't, I never gave a fuck about what it tastes like. It's like, I just want to get blacked out. That's the goal. That pirate syrup, baby. That shit will get you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Young adults in U.S. drinking less than in prior decades. I feel that, man. Let me see what it says here. It says 62% of adults under age 35 say they drink down from 72% two decades ago. How does that correlate to teen pregnancy? That's a great question. I don't know, but they. I think they should put um, birth control in, in some of this. Uh, White claws? Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, 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 dude. I was gonna say probably. I wish meth had like a birth control aspect to it. Oh man! But I would go white claw. I think it does. I think when you smoke meth, just everything dries up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, maybe that's true. I never smoked. I always wanted to smoke crack. I never got to smoke crack. Oh, damn. Um. It's um. Did you ever smoke it? Oh yeah. Really. Oh, fuck yeah. No way, dude. Uh, Damn, bro. Ever tried to break a bad habit and felt like you were uh, climbing Mount Everest in flip-flops? Well, I've been there. Yeah, I've been there recently. But here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. It's not about giving up. It's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect with Fume, but it, um, at first it was a little, it took a bit of getting used to, but then it just became, yeah, a good habit. Start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume, that's T-R-Y-F-U-M dot com slash Theo, and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use my code Theo to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Thank you, Fume. You know, I I wish that uh, when I was in college, I knew that banking, I, I had to build my credit. I didn't know. I didn't think about it. I didn't pay phone bills. I didn't care. I didn't. Th- I didn't know anything about credit. And my bank didn't. Th- they weren't helpful. They didn't. They weren't helpful in that sense. That's why old school banking just isn't working anymore. They ding you with ridiculous fees. They play games with your money, and they want you to get into debt. 
to stop banking old and get current, the future of better banking. Current is banking and credit building together. They make it easy to get paid as soon as possible, build credit safely, and save more all in one app. You can qualify for fee-free overdraft up to $200 for when you spend more than you've got. We've all done that. I remember I bought my dang um, mother-in-law or not my, whatever my brother's wife's mother, I bought her up, um, Candelabra. And they dinged, that was two, 212 bucks, or I don't know. And I was overdrawn or whatever on that. But you can set up direct deposit to get the most out of current. So what are you waiting for? Get current, the future of banking. Go to current.com slash Theo or download the app. That's C-U-R-R-E-N-T dot com slash Theo. Current.com slash Theo. Terms apply. Current is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group, member FDIC and Cross River Bank, member FDIC. For full terms and conditions, visit current.com or call 888-851-1172 for more information. Did you ever smoke it? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, fuck yeah. No way, dude. Uh, Damn, bro. Dude, I'm telling, I mean... Oh, I didn't know that you smoked crack. I, I didn't. Mean, I wasn't like on it all the time. Yeah, I wish. Dude, yeah, I grew up in a town where there was nothing to fucking do, man. I skateboarded a little bit. I played guitar, but it was like a dead end. It felt like there was nothing to do. So everybody did drugs. I mean, and it was like it was just. I mean, I was six time, sixteen the first time I ripped a crack rock, and it was <gasps> fucking right. God, I want that. And you want to know what else is? I like. It was. I've always considered myself to have a pretty strong will. Like I said, I've been around meth and heroin and, and, and shit growing up, all my, you know, crack and lots of coke and whatever all, growing up. And I never got addicted to any of it. I've been around a lot of tweakers and shit. I've seen some crazy shit, bro. I'm saying I used to live in a house where they were sleeping on my couch and shit, fucking toothless sores on their face, fucking no. cigarette butts on the floor, fucking tweak. Tweakerville, man. Tweakerville. And just taking apart stuff? Oh, yeah. Motorcycles in the house. No. I'm saying. Speeve. bikes? Yeah, there used to be this guy named Speeve, bro. He, I, he <laughs> lived in this old uh, farmhouse out on Charles Road. And uh, you walk in. It was an old farmhouse. It was like a barn that was just falling down in the backyard. You walk in, and there's, like, TVs, like, stacked on top of each other. And there's, like... You can see one's like a camera on the front porch. One's just like static, you know, and homie's got a motorcycle ripped apart in his living room with like Folger coffee cans with nuts and bolts everywhere. And he's like ripping out of a light bulb. We used to get him a box. It's called getting a box. What we used to do is you get a box of Sudafed and you bring it to him or something. He's the cook. He'd give you a quarter gram or something. Wow. So, because they were running out of people that could get Sudafed, because all them tweakers were on the list at Rite Aid yeah. and shit, and and Walgreens and shit, and saying, "Don't you know this? This guy's <laughs> been in here. He bought thirteen boxes of Sudafed last week. You yeah. know, so don't sell any more Sudafed to this guy." So the cooks got to the point where they would give you a quarter gram or so for a box. You know. Yeah. And is a quarter gram a lot of? That's enough for a good weekend, right there. It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. To me, it's like whenever I hit that shit, I was up for two days straight. There was a time where I played guitar for 48 hours straight. 
and I didn't put it down. Nuh-uh. I swear to God. And I played pretty much the same riff the entire time. Oh, it, my God. It was like I was just play, holding my guitar, and my fingers were just going, and I was just like, wow. And it was like an orchestra was coming out. It was like I was writing shit that I never could have imagined. It was like uh, a beautiful mind type yeah. situation. Oh, my gosh, bro. And so is that just so that, that like – and you feel like that was drug fueled or did Oh it- yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much so that I can't even sit here and say that I'll never smoke meth again because I might want to do it in a controlled environment as a creative experiment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because dude, I swear to God, I think I could write an album in three days that's like the craziest shit ever. I don't you know. Obviously, I'm not like condoning it. You no, know, like no, look, it's yeah. fucking terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 but yeah. I, I am saying that that those 48 hours when I was playing guitar straight, it was like I, I worked some cobwebs out in my brain that was kind of crazy. Yeah. And dude, this was crazy. So I'm sitting up stairs, and this was the first time I ever smoked meth. And I was 16, and um, I was upstairs. I lived on Main Street. I was in a band. My drummer, Carl, shout out, Carl. But um, and Jordan, oh man, All these right, are my dude. homies from these are my homies from back home, you know. But like, uh, and they passed away. No, no, they're still around. Okay, yeah, yeah. my bad then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, sorry. I mean Jordan almost fucking passed away. He needs to fucking keep his nose clean. God yeah. damn it. Yeah. Amen. And so does everybody. Yeah. yeah. But no, I lived in this house, bro, on Main Street on Main Street in Ionia, which is. It's like a tiny little town. And, and there was this, um, we were renting this place, right? But there was renovations happening. And I'm like, man, why is this guy coming over at fucking 7 o'clock in the morning and start banging on shit? It's fucking 7. Sun's not even barely up yet. So, you know, <laughs> one of my buddies comes over who's a tweaker and figures out that this guy, the handyman who's working on this house that we're renting, is holding. Oh. And is like, you know, and I'm like, well, if you guys are going to smoke here at my house, like, I want in. So, because I was just curious about what was, you know. Yeah, what is it? Well, it was like my parents were into it at the time, and I was like, I want to know, like, what the hell's going on. Oh, yeah, do some. Yeah, I, that makes sense. If somebody I mean, that's why it. I had to, my, my biological father died from a heroin overdose when I was two years old. That's why I had to do heroin. I was like, I had to. I was like, what it was so good that took my dad from me? Oh, man. So I had to figure it out. And I'm at the Green Reaper and shit. He tapped me on the shoulder and was like, dude, it was like, man, we're jumping stories. I got so many of them. But I didn't know this, man. Hey, I'm sorry to hear that, dude. Well, it makes me, it kind of breaks my heart. Yeah, but, it's all good. But it's interesting that you, uh, I've, I'm curious about wanting to try. Yeah, Let sorry. me just finish the tweaking for okay, 48 yeah. hours. Yeah, let's start first. there, dude. Finish that fucking. I was upstairs. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people here are, are do home renovations. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> yeah. yeah we can so this dude was, he was working at all hours of the night and shit. I'm like, what the fuck? So, you know, my body figured out I was tweaking and like, you know, and, and, and they showed me how to, they're like, you got a light bulb? And I'm like, yeah. And so they showed me how to take the little silver thing off the bulb and you can take it out and then you put some warm salt water in there and swish it around. You get all that white shit off the bulb. Mm-hmm. Then you got a nice clear bulb. So then you kind of just tap some shit down in there and you can burn it and smoke it. So whatever. I, I hit the shit. Woo! All of a sudden, where's my guitar? I want to play guitar so bad. So for two days... I sat there and playing two fucking days. I don't, I didn't eat. I don't even think I pissed. Yeah. It was insane. And then so, 
two days later, somebody finally snaps me out of it by knocking on my door. It was my friend Brendan, Brendan Lauer. And um, I hear the knock on the slider door, and I'm like, oh, fuck. And I put my guitar down. I'm like, I'll be right back. Like, don't, like, I, I, I hate to leave you. Like, oh, you know, I wanted that guitar so bad still after two days straight of playing it. And I all go open the door, and my friend Brendan's there. He's like, what the fuck's all over your face? And I'm like, what? And I go in the bathroom and I look in the mirror and my face is all green. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I thought it was like from the meth or something. It was like, oh, no, my skin's turning green. <laughs> and it was from like the sh I was playing my guitar for so long that the bronze on my strings had like gone to my fingers and I had touched my face. Wow. And so I had green shit on my face from my guitar strings. And I was, I was so twacked out. You know, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Oh. But and I wonder if that gets like and do you, have you heard any other stories if people are like that do they do are they doing sex are they doing like uh, man I think when you're tweaking you just like what do you like to do like with your hands or anything do you like to string beads do you like to paint do you like to mm. I mean besides just like crank one out you know yeah and that's over quickly and then you're just sitting there well maybe on speed I don't know it might take a while oh yeah huh and you have to work for it, and then it's, like, even oh, better. Yeah. Well, that's probably, like, cocaine. Yeah, I think, like, if I was all sped up, I would just look <laughs> out the windows, make a lot of promises to myself, look out the windows. Make sure those silhouettes aren't real. Organize things, whatever, that's the vaguest term ever. Yeah. I'm going to organize things. That was always a term oh, that I would dude, use. That's it, a, yeah. that's one thing people do, too. I was at this crack house one time that was fucking spotless yeah. it was insane and 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 me and my friend uh went over there just to you know we were gonna smoke or whatever and mm -hmm. i had this homie that knew all the man he was just like connected somehow with like he would just go into a new city and all of a sudden he would be like oh there's our guy like just oh, how man. do you know that that random man on the bicycle is the guy he's holding yeah he's got yeah some people are just they get they they get that fucking uh that drug dog in they're them. street smart yeah they're german shepherds yeah man and so i had a buddy that was like that and so i ended up you know it was like there was one night i smoked crack with a fully pregnant lady Ooh. and it was like that's how shitty that stuff is is like really i, I mean dude crack is the worst fucking thing in the world to me it's like it's instantly addictive. Mm -hmm. Like that first night I did it, like I was telling you when I was 16. Yeah. I, I've always considered myself to have a pretty strong will. And like I was saying, I've been around shit forever. And, and but when I hit, I was like, when I hit crack, I was like, all right, I know this shit's pretty crazy. I'm going to take one hit and that's it. Ooh. And then so I took a hit and then it was like, boom. I was like, oh, holy shit. It was like incredible. Cra crazy what just, does it feel like does it feel like a felt like i got hit in the head with a frying pan body life orgasm wow it was like bam and it was like just euphoric like all of a sudden i just i don't know it oh, was yeah. man i i shouldn't be on here describing it because no and look it's gonna seem like i'm like uh you know, but well, tell us the downside of it. The then. downside yeah. of it was so it, that people know that. So if anybody right now is trying to U-turn to go get some crack or whatever, no, 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 don't do it because it's oh man, it's like I I was like I'm just gonna take one hit mm -hmm. I, and that's it. And I'm like I said, I got a strong will, I can do this. I take one hit. That pipe didn't make it around the circle before I was like, man, I hope there's enough, you know, till I can get another one. Yeah, and it was I was really oh. nervous. I was like. It, it, it was like, man, I, I hope there's enough. 
And so then it was like, how do I have any more money? It was like, how much money do I got? We, could we get some more? Right. I immediately. Mean, without you even thinking. 50 seconds. Right. So it hijacks your thoughts even. Immediately. I was ready to oh. sell shit. Oh. You know, just whatever I, you know, it takes everything. And, 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 the, and then the next day I go to school, right? And I got this little rock left over sitting on my, on my desk and I go to school the next morning and I didn't make it 40 minutes into fucking first hour. Before I, I'm sick, Miss Julie. I gotta go home. I signed myself out. Went home, smoked that rock, cause I couldn't fucking stand the thought of it sitting there on my nightstand at home. And I'm sitting in school, and I'm going, "Fuck! I know I'm right at home. There's that rock, and I oh, could go it's smoke just it." Sitting there, yeah. It's wet. It's just it's looking for you, wearing a fucking probably see-through bra, dude. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. And, yeah, you know, God. So yeah. I just, I, you know, I couldn't handle it. I mean, I. I couldn't handle it, man. And I'll tell you why, Billy, because I remember I would get, even if I got some cocaine, right? I would get some cocaine and then I would go home. It's just me and my cocaine. That is, I, this is the relationship I'm in at the That's moment. That's not good. It was bad. And I would do a little bit of cocaine and then I would be like, all right, my, some of my friends would hit me up, like, let's go do something. I'm like, all right. And then I would do some more and then I would start walking out the door and I'd be like, let me go back in and just make sure I did some. <laughs> it was like what is that even like that was a real thought in my head like that's not even a legitimate <laughs> let me make sure i did some i'm still pulling it out of my nose from the and i'm like hey bro you should go make sure you did some <laughs> what the fuck dude that's not so it's not real. interesting just to even think about how it hijacks our thoughts man and if you can't even if you because your thoughts come out of nowhere so it's like if it gets it above those it's a fucking that's just it just shows the power of it so oh man i just want to yeah i think i think to say that kind of stuff is important but it's how'd you get out of it then well like i said it was like it was never a i would do it for a night and i'll be like okay never again for at least six months or something whether it was math or crack or heroin or whatever mm -hmm. i would do it and then i would be like okay it's like i know that i can't do it more than one day in a row where speed if you do it you know i would smoke one little bit and I'm good for the weekend. It's like, I'd be up for two days off a couple hits or whatever. Wow. Um, dude, that shit's really crazy too. Like what you were talking about, looking out the window and seeing silhouettes and shit. There was one time where I went over to Muir to, to hang and me and my buddy Jake were like, we tweaked from Thursday to Monday. Wow. And by like the third or fourth day of like being awake and getting no sleep, it was like my friend Jake, who I know well, and, and, and I'm sitting right there next to him, but I'm looking at him and it's mm -hmm. like, it's not his face on his face. It's like somebody, like some guy named Brandon or something. He looks like a different guy. And I'm like, Jake? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, the f you're not Jake though. Like, what the fuck? I'm looking right at you. And you start to really get, after being awake for a couple of days, like I remember looking out my window and seeing silhouettes of like people standing by the tree and like yeah. be behind the car and like stuff and you think people are watching you and shit like paranoia has got to be one of the worst fucking things that can happen yeah there's a comedian uh shane moss and he he was wanted to do a documentary i think and i'm paraphrasing uh an amazing comedian great guy uh go see him if you get a chance and he um he was on here once and he was talking about he was trying to make a documentary about doing, I want to say it was mushrooms, right? 
but he got so like deep into it, he started getting uh, paranoid. Mm. And he started thinking the documentary crew that he had hired to shoot the documentary of him um, were that they were uh, like ops. Like they were like government, like like he started to go down a real rabbit hole. Billy. No, that's. Yeah. And then he started to give clues to the camera so that when they he watched, whoever watched it would know that he knew. Like he was <laughs> getting deep, bro. I think there's a level to it because psychedelics is another thing that I've dabbled in. And I think <laughs> yeah. um, I think psychedelics is a very positive thing. Yeah. I am an advocate for psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I'm not an advocate for meth, crack, uh, oxycotton, uh, cocaine, any any of those things. Little mushrooms. I think it's, you know, take a hit of acid and and if you're brave, like a hit of DMT or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not for everybody. I don't think psychedelics are for everyone. But I think it can help a, lo a lot of people. I think a lot of people would benefit from eating a mushroom stem and going and sitting down by the riverbank, uh, pitching a tent, you know, making a fire and hanging out with some friends and looking up at the trees and, you know, staring at a bug and realizing why, you know, it's like I've hung out with like, um, like whenever you're around like the Grateful Dead camp, you know, mm -hmm. um, Bob Weir and Bill Kreutzman and some of those cats, like, like for instance, when I was out in Hawaii hanging out with, Bill Kreutzmann and those guys. A lot of like the people that are just around, the friend group, they're all like, and I noticed this while I was there, because these people are doctors and, you know, intellects and 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 you know, there's they're they're all adults who are still children, but they're not immature. And it's like you see this 45-year-old woman who has many degrees sitting there staring at an ant and being like, wow, you know, almost like a child. And I think it's just a, a great thing to not lose that. Maybe some people get it without drugs. I know uh, my banjo player, Billy Failing, he might take a hit of weed like every once in a while, but he he's pretty, doesn't do anything. And I'm like talking to him about that. Like, man, when I take some mushrooms or whatever, I just feel like, you know, I feel like psychedelics can make me feel like one with nature and and, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And and he's like, man, well, I get the same thing when I go on a, a three-day-long hike and sleep on the ground because um, him and his wife go on these outdoor, you know, um, long hikes and stuff for like weeks at a time, and they sleep on the ground and, they, you know, Grand Canyon or where, you know, out oh, these yeah. national parks and shit. Yeah. And like being lost, but it's like organized. You know, go and shit in a hole for a week. You get one with nature pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Without drugs. Yeah. But taking some shrooms or acid or something can really get you there a lot quicker. <laughs> it's yeah. like... Um, well, shrooms are a connector, I think. And even fungus itself is like a expansatory type of thing, you know? It's yeah, like yeah. a... <clears throat> it's that thing that fills in the space, you know? Like, so um, it's like a caulk almost in a way. So, I, I yeah, I definitely... I, I think that mushrooms are great. I, I've always thought that, yeah, you can get a little crazy and then your buddy's fucking, somebody's doing the Heimlich maneuver on him at a damn Waffle House or something and the guy's hitting on your friend or something and he's a kid or whatever. But the problem, the biggest problem I think is uh, 
is you just run the risk of people not being able to do it in um, moder in some sort of control or moderation. I was just going to say the moderation. That's the key. With everything. But we're getting more to the point now. You're seeing like I have people that hit me up that I say, hey, man, you should work with this therapist. They do uh, like mushroom guided therapy, right? Like and you see a lot more like ketamine guided therapy, yeah. right? And um, ayahuasca adventures. Like you're seeing things where I think people are getting away from the idea of like just I just want to poison myself like with alcohol, which is a fun poison. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not condemning anybody that drinks. Mm -hmm. Like I would be drinking if I didn't go buy cocaine. And end up trying to, you know, yeah, no, I, if I was a responsible adult, I would drink too, but I'm not right. I'm <laughs> you just, know, it's, yeah, it's, it, you know, um, yeah, I'm not responsible. So anyway, but yeah, I think, I just think we're seeing like a kind of a, a, a stray from that a little bit. Um, this is yours, man. Yeah. You brought this for later, me, man. Yes, sir. This mine? I brought you a couple cases of it. No, really? Yeah. But this can is great, man. It's made by Shorts Brewing Company, which is a place where I celebrated my 21st birthday party, actually. And, and I used to play gigs there all the time, and they're just my homies from back home. And since I don't drink, you know, we wanted to do a collab anyways, but we made this sparkling. It's like a hop water. Bro, it's good. Bro, it is good. I love it. And it's just that this is the name of Thirst Mutilator? Mm-hmm. Wow. You want to hear a, D a DMT story or two? Yeah, I'll and then I'll trade you one and then um and then we'll get back into your music set, Wait, okay? you yeah. Oh, uh, we, don't, we don't have to get back in anything, but I, well, I don't want people to forget that you're a musician. Yeah. <laughs> psychonaut, Billy Strings. Psychonaut, um, that's what Shane Moss was, a psychonaut. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, let's go down a DMT story. Man. Well, because I feel like you know, since I'm talking about all the other bad bullshit that I've done. I need to kind of uh, clear my name here and, and, and tell you about some of the better stuff that has happened to me because of my experiments. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Um, like, when I was living in Traverse City, there's this, man, my buddy Seth, he's gone now too. This sucks because he, you know, them fucking opiates, man. Got his ass, but he was my buddy who always had whatever. He was like into the like EDM scene and shit. Yeah. And he would like just have a backpack, which oh man, yeah. I got whatever, bro. So he would come over and whatever. One time he had this DMT. It's like, let me get a little bit, you know. So <laughs> you know. You know. Let me get a little bit. I'll buy some off you, right? So he hooks me up with a little bag. And that bag sat on top of my dresser for fucking, I don't even know, six months? Yeah. Because that's the other thing about psychedelics that I'll say is like, it's not something to play around with. Yeah. If you're not in the headspace for it, don't do it. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's kind of, and I've learned that lesson from psychedelics. It's almost like dipping your toe in the pool or something and, 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 and it's like, don't do that. Just, you know, if you want to go swimming or not, do you or don't you? Right. Do you want to stay dry or do you want to get wet? Right. Okay. Well, yeah, and if you're wearing something that can't get wet, then fucking don't, yeah, then just chill. Yeah. Like if your attitude is an attitude that can't get wet right now, <laughs> yeah. then Ex just stay on the bank. Yep, yeah, exactly. But so I was, you know, it took me six months to gain up the courage to, to hit this DMT. And one day I came home from work and, there was nobody home. My roommates were gone. I knew they weren't going to be back because they were downstate. 
and I had the house to myself. The sun was shining. Oh, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good today. It's like, I'm happy. The sun's out. Fuck it. Nobody's home. Like, I'm just going to rip this DMT. Let's try it. Hey, Amen. So and I was also ignorant at the time about what it even really was, mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to expect, so I wasn't really scared of it. Now, I haven't done it in years, even though it's been so enlightening and helpful. I'm, I haven't done it in years because of how intense it is. Um, but this at this time, I was like 21 or something, just like, man, I'm just going to rip this DMT. <laughs> yeah. And so I sat on the couch and like took a big hit of this. And, and, and I was listening to this. Um, it was actually the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Oh, um, yeah. I'll Fly Away with Gillian Welch and Emmy Lou and Alison Krauss and Mike Compton and, you know, all these instruments and stuff. And I hit this and all of a sudden I'm kind of floating and the instruments are surrounding me and it's all this beautiful kind of shit happening. And I start to see this blue light. And I'm like, whoa, what's that? It's like this blue light way up ahead in the distance and it's getting closer and closer to me. And all of a sudden it's like, well, it's a chick. And I'm like, I can see this lady and she's swirling and dancing. And she starts murmuring this ancient language that is brand new. Something that this language has only been used right now for this particular occasion, but it's ancient. And I understood every word somehow. Some, you know, she's telling me this information as she's spinning and twirling and dancing for me. And she's wearing this skirt. And every time she twirls, her skirt kind of twirls like that. Oh, and, yeah. and, it, and it's made of like eyeballs. And then she does a 360 and it's made of ears and then teeth and then hair, mm. noses and pupils and it, just all these different facial features. Her skirt was like made up of like thousands of them. As Every time she turned, it would change. And she get, she's getting closer and closer to me. And then she got close enough to me and she kind of like caressed me in a way, like put her arms around me and was like, are you good? I'm like, I'm good. And then we went, like, shot me out of the atmosphere, out of, you know, outer space, like, through this placenta mm -hmm. where we kind of broke through. And then it was like we were on this beautiful pink mountaintop overlooking this vast everything. Damn. And, and she was kind of standing me on top of the mountain, pointing and looking and showing me everything. These are all the universes. Notice how they're spinning and working together like a gear, like a watch, like a clock, like a movement. Damn. And then she zapped Some us kind down. Of super Zillow or something. It was like all the universes spinning. And then she took me down to our universe and showed me all the galaxies doing that same thing. And then she took me to our galaxy, showed me all of the planets doing it, then to our planet and showed me the wind and water and currents and, and then to a grain of sand. It was like a fractal out from everything and everything is spinning and working doing together. The dance. Yeah, doing the dance. Yeah. What you do affects your neighbor, you know, and 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 basically she told me it was like you need to be strong in yourself. You need to work on yourself, work on your mental health, work on you know, she didn't say all this shit, but, but she, you, you caught it from that's it? what I got is like you need to work on yourself. We're all a link we're all links in a chain. Mm. We're all together. Me oh, and yeah. you are the same, bud. And we need to be the strongest links that we can be for everything, for not right. just not just humanity, but all of everything, you know. And what that is, to be a strong link, you got to work on yourself and basically just not be a dick, you know, and deep dive down inside of yourself and figure out what it is. Why are you an asshole? 
Yeah. You know, or why, how can you change to be better? How could you be a kinder, better person to your neighbor, to mother nature? To yourself? To yourself, especially. That's how you do it. Right. That's how you find the strength. Yeah. Are you struggling with keeping your website up to date and running your business? Now you can binge all the web design and digital marketing you want with Modify. Modify helps you with unlimited web design and redesigns, unlimited website updates, 24-7 support, digital advertising. Plus, you get a designated designer. Consider updating your existing website or getting a new one. Visit modify.com slash Theo for 50% off the last website you'll ever need. That's modify, M-O-D-I-P-H-Y dot com slash Theo for 50% off the last website you'll ever need. Yeah, man, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah, thanks for sharing that that experience, man. Um, yeah, it, well, it's in, it's just interesting the relationship that we have with ourselves. It's like, like we've outsourced our own responsibility a lot of times, it feels like. Like, it's like I need, it's almost like I look entirely at medicine or at other people for my responsibility to, for me to be okay, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm not saying that we don't need other people. We, we need do. help. And we, and we do need help. We do need like therapy. We need communication. And sometimes we need medicine. Yeah. But I think that we can fall into a trap, or I know that I have. That's what I should just say. I've fallen into a trap at times where I've completely outsourced if I'm going to be okay onto other people and things. Like I, I, I haven't, that the relationship that I have with myself is so it's not even there a lot of times, or it hasn't been that I'm reliant completely on if other things are going to make me okay. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, I think there was a time probably a long time ago, maybe, and I, and I may romanticize the past sometimes, but where I felt like people had a bit more like agency or something it's called with themselves, where they had a more of a relationship with themselves, you know, and they reflected on themselves more and reflected on experiences and behaviors and, and just like, uh, just had a little bit more probably, um, say in how they were doing you know, or mm-hmm. how they were feeling or what was going on with them. Yeah. And I don't even think we've done it on purpose. I just think a lot of it's the way our society has kind of shaped things. Well, nowadays you just look down at your uh, Fitbit or whatever. It's oh, going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My heart's beating. Everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> my buddy has a fat bit. My buddy, Burt Kreischer, it just, he looks at it and it just tells him he's fat. Oh, man. God, bro, you got to. We need to get him. We need to get him like a mechanical watch. Yeah, we need something. Well, we need to get him a meth addict to take that thing apart. First of all, (laughs) yeah, put it back together. Yeah. So when people were on methamphetamines, if they take that stuff apart, what are they then looking to do with it? Is it? uh, Why do people take that kind of stuff apart? Is it? I don't know. I think maybe to put it back together better. But what I was saying is like, whatever you do, if you did speed, I feel like that's what you do. It's like people I knew they would string beads. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, I'm making necklaces, making jewelry. Or they would, you know, draw pictures or write lyrics or poetry or, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of like whatever you do. If you have like a little thing that you like to do, right? I feel like that's a great activity. Oh, dude. Okay. Check this out. So there was this place, Barkus Park, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Barkus is for dogs. Bar- well, B A R K U S. Barkus Park. Barkus. Barkus Park in Lyons, Michigan. And um, so it was a campground. My buddy Brad Brad Lasco owned it. 
uh, he was like my uncle Brad. He was my dad's best friend. He played the banjo. Oh wow! And he was like our yeah Barkus campground. So this place, when I was growing up, dude, yeah, there we are right there. There's little Bradley picking, man. Nuh-uh. That's where I grew up, man. That's the vibe. That's my dad right there above him. No way, yeah. bro. That's the damn Google image that's on yeah. this park. Yeah. So um, I think this is just y'all's yard, bro. Dude, that's that's how I grew up right there, bro. Sitting wow. around that campground picking, just like that. That's my childhood. And dude, so, that's so cool. It was epic, man. There's Stony Creeks right there. The salmon run every year in the fall. We were like spearing salmon back then. Yeah, I won't tell anybody. It was crazy. But um, this dude, Brad Lasko, on it. There we go. That's what I was just going to say. They found out. So my childhood there was great. But as I got a little older, 10, 12 years old, all that meth moved in and fucked everything up uh, and everybody up, yeah. including Barkus Park. And they, while everybody was tweaking on meth, found out that there was gold in the creek. No way. Oh my God. Can you imagine a better activity for meth head than panning for gold? Nah, I can't at all. Dude, I mean, it's I like can't at all. literally sifting uh. through every grain of sand in the fucking creek to find specks of gold. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> how could you do that and not be a meth head? Dude, why every meth recovery center isn't currently located along a river <laughs> or stream in this country, I will never understand. We have got to organize <laughs> meth users and get this gold. Yeah, seriously, because we could get some big bucks, dude. Um, I th that's unbelievable, bro. I it, do. You, have you written a song about that? I'm not about paying for gold. I wrote one called "Dust in the Baggy." For, yes, I've, that's about Brad Lasko, man. That's he is it? Yeah, he just passed away a couple years ago too, man. It's, that me and Dad record, you know, we dedicated it to Brad. And, oh, that's him. No, that's, uh, that's the, this is the video for it. Well, for, that's, yeah, dust that, in a baggie. That's a video for it. Okay, I wouldn't play it, <laughs> but no, that's a famous video uh, now because of that guy in the background, Barefoot oh. Ben. We were all on mushrooms that night. We were sitting in uh, my buddy, one uh, well, my friend Gina's uh, basement, and we're all picking songs. And there was a big party upstairs, and everybody was drunk, uh -huh. but we were all tripping, so we wanted to go downstairs and be yeah. quiet and get away from all the drunks. So we were sitting down there in that basement, and. Um, Picking tunes. And then, yeah, Barefoot Ben there, man. He's, he was like the only hippie like in Ionia that, you know what I mean? It was like, I mean, I guess there was a couple like skater kids or whatever, but he was like barefoot at every party. He was yeah. like wearing tie-dye. He like People called him Barefoot Ben or, or hippie. And yeah, like, like I said, he was like the only hippie around. But he was at every party. He lived it. He was at every party. And he was like, how'd you get here? Like, who do you know here? Yeah. Like, he was just every party he was there. And in in this video, he's literally like, we're tripping and I'm just playing these songs and he's smoking an unlit cigarette and he keeps hitting it like it's lit. And like, I don't think he does it. But if you look at the comments on that shit, it's hilarious. Like they're talking about Ben. Like this dude looks like he's standing there giving out side quests and shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Shout out, Ben. Hope you're doing good, buddy. Barefoot Ben. Amen, brother. Yeah. Um, Man. Dude, they just found a huge gold nugget. Do you? It, it, can you look that up for me? Where? There we go. Biggest gold nugget ever found that weighed as Holy much as a person. shit. Would be worth an insane amount today. The biggest nugget of gold in the world weighed as much as an adult man. Millions. John Deason and Richard Otitz, the jackpot. Oh, this is in 1869. Whoa. When they, so a little bit outdated. Australia. 
when they found they discovered the monster nugget while digging in Australia. Yeah. Weighing in at 11 stones, uh, 72 kilograms. Still no idea how much that is. I think it's 220 pounds. 11 stone? It was weighed at a London charter bank, and they were paid just under $10,000 for the massive chunk. In 1869? Yeah. What do you think you'd do if you got that thing, brother? Boy. If you're on meth, and so, let's say this. Let's go on down a road, all right? That doesn't exist, but um, but we have zoning rights in this space. Oh, yeah. If we, we, find a, we, find a ch- we find a chunk of gold the size of a man and you, people are on meth, do you tell other people you have it or do you, like are meth people, keep, can they keep a secret or is it not a secret area? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. I feel like some people can, some people can't. <laughs> you know, I feel, what would I yeah, do? we would just pawn that fucker. It would just yeah. go to the pawn shop. Yeah, I mean, it would go to the closest pawn shop. <laughs> I would probably give it away for two racks, bro. Yeah, dude. I mean, fucking two racks. How many boxes can I get with that? Right. We just got to drive all over Michigan to oh, get a Sudafed Central. <laughs> I remember when they started locking up the Sudafed, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to show your ID and shit for it. I was like, I have a fucking runny nose. That used to be your ID to get Sudafed, and now everything had changed. Yeah. Um. And yeah, not condoning drugs, but just sharing experiences. People get that. It's kind of like the shit that I've been through and the stuff that I've seen and all that is the reason that I can do what I do today. I kind of got it out of my system in a way. Wow. Uh, But it's, I don't want to go back. Right. That's the thing. I don't want to go back to. Why? Because it sucks. It's a miserable life. It. You know, I mean, who wants to be sitting in a tweaker pad with no food and uh, start? I mean, it it might feel good for a couple hours, but it real quick it gets real bad, and man, it ruins people's lives. It ruins families. It's it you know yeah. It's um yeah. Look, that's it. Look, that's just what I want. You said it better than I could have thought a way to say it. That's that's the truth. Um, there's a message you did. This is almost a decade ago. I think we were looking online. Obviously, we were looking up things about you online and we found this post that you put up this is like almost 11 years ago now yeah i remember that day it was because man i was working at this uh you were in acne michigan i'm just gonna read it is that okay billy yeah it says uh i put in my two weeks notice today at work i decided to pursue music as a career maybe i'm going out on a limb by doing this but i don't care I am ambitious. I am, I am ambitious and passionate enough to try it. Working eight hours and then gigging all the time is physically and mentally stressful, and leaves me no time at all for creative output. I'm going to work very hard, practice, and write music every day. Besides, there has been nights that I've made more money in one hour playing music than I make in two weeks at work. I want to thank all of you for the support. Without you, I would not be able to make this decision. Yeah, Cheers. man, that's cool, man. It's just a cool thing to put into the universe. Um, what was that feeling like? So at that point, I guess you're you decided what you wanted to do. That was at a point where I was I was working at this hotel, uh, the Grand Traverse Resort, and I just, you know, I would, I was partying and I was working and I was playing lots of gigs, and the gigs were starting to, you know, I was like saving up money for guitars and stuff, and I had this little pile of money in my top dresser drawer, yeah, so I could finally get this guitar that was worth like twenty five hundred bucks that I always wanted and. Yes. You know, and, and I was realizing as I'm saving up money, I was going, well, I used to just live off the hotel check. I used to not have the gigs, which what I made from the hotel was like, I don't know, like 800 bucks every fucking two weeks or something, mm-hmm. you know, but it was enough to like pay my rent 
and get gas back and forth to work and stay shit. alive. Yeah, but then I started playing gigs too, and um, I would be out playing a gig until you know I'd play a gig until eleven or so. But then there'd be a party afterwards. So afterwards, I'd go to the party and I'd be up till five in the morning, and then I'd get an hour and a half of sleep, and then I'd go into work hungover, and then uh, work all day and hate it, and then go back, at, and then 6 o'clock would come around and I'd be back on stage somewhere. Yeah. And I was burning the candle at both ends, and I could just feel it closing in on me. It's like, well, you got to choose one or the other. And it was like, well, like I said, I used to make only like 800 bucks at work. Now I'm making 1200 bucks from music. I don't need both. I mean, it was nice to have both the check and the music, but I used to just live off this and was fine. Yeah. So, okay, fuck the job. I'm just going to live off the music. Yeah. You know? And basically have the same amount of bread or whatever. So I just started putting all my energy into it. And um, and what did that look like when you say putting all your energy into it? Because I think that's kind of interesting to think about, you know? Like, is it just, well, for one, you made it your focus point. You kind of told the universe, hey, this is going to be what I'm going to do. You mm -hmm. know, you put that out there. So that's interesting because I think the universe does listen to us. You know, I don't think we talk to it enough, but I think it listens to us. Yeah. But then, so then what, ha what started to happen to there musically? Well, I was already playing gigs. Um, like we had like a weekly gig at this place called Little Bohemia in Traverse City. And we were playing like shorts and, you know, like. All these different places, like we'd play breweries, coffee houses, stuff like that for tips and for whatever, you know. And, and I was like a, a weekend warrior and just just a working musician. I'd play at the steakhouse. I'd play at the fucking brewery, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it just, you know, once I kind of got the job out of there, then it was like, okay. And what I meant in that post is like, I'm not fucking around. Like, I'm going to practice, I'm going to write songs, I'm going to take this very seriously because of the folks that were out there coming to my little weekly gigs and stuff and making it to where I could pay my rent just with music. I I felt like I had a duty yeah. to basically give back to those folks that supported me and say, look, if you continue to support me, I'm not going to fucking, I'm not fucking around. Like, I'm really, I will really work hard if you guys will still support me, you know? Yeah. And um, so I just, that's what I decided to do, man. And that was like around the time I was like 18. And well, let's, let's see. I'm 31. That was 2010. Anybody good at math? It's 11 years ago. So. I think, I don't know. I'm guessing I'm not good at math. No, yeah. It's 11 years. Oh, it is. Good. So what's wow. that? I was, was like I 21? 20? 20 or 21. Yeah. So at that point, I had already been on tour and shit. I had like, I, you know, when I was 19, I had been on tour. By the time I was 19, I was playing 200 gigs a year. Oh, my God. And I did that up until just a couple of years ago. Do you think, what do you think are the things, I know that you had a, like some viral moments online. What do you think are the things that really like cemented, cemented you in with people? Um, like, do you think it's a way that you play? Do you think it's... Um, because I think artists start to see there's some artists are great performers. Some artists are there's captivating. Um, they can make a, a unique sound or do something new or novel. Um, some you go for the songs and you don't even know anything about the artist or care about the artist at all. Right. Do you? Does that make any sense? To you? No, that's a really um, interesting thing that I've 
I kind of learned that the first time that I went to the Grammys because I'm a guitar player. Mm-hmm. I'm a bluegrass musician. I grew up singing around the campfire. There's no computers. There's no auto tune. There's no backup dancers. You know, and I, <laughs> I went, I went to the Grammys, and I saw all this shit, and I was like, whoa, you know, like the K-pop group, like BTS and yeah. shit. And I was just, they're like, I was like, okay, well, none of them are singing. They're all. This is all pre-recorded tracks. But they're dancing their fucking asses off. I was like, oh, they're dancers. They're not musicians. They're like, they're not a musician like me. Like, I stand there in blue jeans on stage and strum the guitar and sing songs. That's what I do. Lady Gaga can direct an entire fucking orchestra to, you know, she can sing, act, dance. She's a comedian, you know, like there's just some people have the whole umbrella over them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like a musician. And, and so going to the Grammys and seeing like, you know, somebody with like all the backup dancers doing all the moves and stuff. And I was like, I like, like I said, I grew up going to bluegrass festivals. I never seen that shit. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is, they're not actually singing, but still cool. Cause I guess they're dancers, but you know, I've always been sort of like a, like a grass hole, you know, that's what you call it. It's like. You know, auto tune or anything like that. It's like, oh, I see what you're saying. More you know, of the uh, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I worked my ass off my whole life to learn how to sing and play, and then there's folks out there that are just pressing a button on a computer and and they're <laughs> and and singing through auto tune and shit, and they're selling millions of records. It's like that's not fucking fair. Yeah, you know. But, yeah, you know. At the, but it's a different style. It's a different. You know. Okay, this person's not a bluegrass musician. They're a dancer or they're a you know a rapper or whatever. That auto tune sound is a stylistic. It's a part of the sound, mm-hmm. you know. It's like a a banjo is to bluegrass, you know. Right, they're almost like new new orchestra. Yeah, it's like it used to have be this guy was the guy who was like the DJ. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody ever gives that guy right. any credit. Yeah, you know, for being the first fucking Zed or whatever conductor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the conductor. Nobody's like, oh, look at that. There's Cascade. You know, they're just like, oh, look at this penguin fucking guy with the two sticks. You know, yeah. this guy's obviously this fucking a dork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but truly, that guy was the fuck. That guy was the Cascade. That He's guy a was. G. He was the G man. He was um the chain smokers. You know, it was just a different time. Um, and then now people use more autotune. They just had an article the other day. It was about like T Pain. Did you? See? I remember like hearing him talk about. I don't remember what show it was on or something, but he was talking about how Usher or somebody told him that he like ruined music by introducing all that autotune shit. And he he said he got like really depressed about it. Oh wow! Like the I'm on a boat. Well, I don't. I don't know. I'm on a boat. Wasn't he? Didn't he make that song? Though? I think so. But either way, like I feel like that was his sound was the real auto tune yeah. stuff. And um, and I think somebody who he really looked up to told him that he was like, yeah, Usher told him that he ruined music. That Usher telling him he ruined music led to a four year depression. But wow. I guess, and then you see T Pain coming out singing these Chris Stapleton songs and shit, and it's like this motherfucker can sing. sing. Yeah. It's like if anybody was using, he was the last person that should have been pressing the button. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's what I'm saying is like, it's a stylistic choice. It's like, it's not like the guy can't fucking sing. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying that, yeah, sometimes in, in, in the instance, it's an instance of somebody just trying something new, trying a different style, seeing what else is going yeah. on, as opposed to somebody just well, not having a, a certain skill set. Like, check this out, man. Like Post Malone, for instance, like that's my dog. And he... You know, he uses a lot of auto tune on his like 
rap music and, and, and what I mean, whatever music. I can't how do you even classify his music? It's just like posty music. Well, he's a concierge of joy, I think. Oh, yeah. Is honestly, how would how I would I've only hung out with him once, but he is a concierge. He's a fucking best dude ever. He's a concierge but of sheer joy. The first time I really he's met him. He's a fucking care bear. I love him. Yeah. But the first time I met him, um, he invited me over to his place or whatever, and we fucking sat there and sang Johnny Cash, Hank Williams, fucking, he knows more old country songs than I do, I think. And he yeah. can play them on guitar and sing them like a fucking angel. And it's like, I'm sitting in a room with him watching this. Like, okay, like, dude's talented. Like, I'm fucking impressed. He knows the the words to more Hank Williams songs than me. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, it's like the same thing with, like, Luke Combs. When I was in a room with him for the first time and he opened his mouth and started singing, I'm just like, wow, okay, great voice, man. Yeah. You know, like, motherfucker can sing, write. And I'm just, like, honored to be around any of these, these guys. I mean, and especially more than... Even those cats who are big celebrities, I'm the Jack Pearsons, and and more of the guys who are in my scene, the the Bela Flex, the Brian Suttons, the you know Stuart Duncans, the Jerry Douglases, the when I like go to the Grammys or something like that, those are the cats that I'm really, I love seeing the big celebrity and stuff, but I'm looking past them and seeing who's in the band. Yeah, like oh that bass player who's backing up Justin Bieber right now, Justin Bieber's drummer. Holy fuck, who's that guy? Yeah. You know, that's what I'm looking at is like the cats. Yeah. You know? The cats. Yeah. Dude, what a phenomenal. That would be so neat if they had Billy Strings and the cats and it was just a tour that you did. Sorry, I know I hate when people give me ideas for <laughs> no, shit, but I'm going to be I'm that guy. All ears, brother. And you just featured like, yeah, because it's so, it's so the spinning wheel of luck and fortune sometimes that some voices get heard louder than others you know um and then some people don't want to be the center of attention also as well Man, you know i had a i still have a hard time with success i grew up the opposite kinda, of i it. grew up poor i grew up you know going to stay the night at friends houses just so i could have some dinner yeah. you know like i i grew up fucking sleeping in my winter coat yeah. You know, with a pit bull that had fleas because she was warm, you know, and yeah, waking up in the middle of the night and fucking you can see your breath in your bedroom and shit. So I have a hard time with success because all my people are still living that, mm. you know, back home. I have people that are still going to prison, still addicted, still dying from ODs, you know, it, and I'm sitting over here shitting on a heated toilet at the Sunset Marquee and it's like, well, why me? I have a uh, survivor's guilt. Oh, Interesting. You know what I mean? And wow, yeah, that's interesting, man. It's like, so I've talked to my therapist about this a bunch, you know, and I'm going, okay, well, I go stand on stage and play guitar. Now, granted, I've worked, I've played guitar since I was four years old, and I've worked very hard at it, you know? I mean, this is 25 years of fucking playing every day, you know, trying to get better and really wanting to be a musician since I was in kindergarten, you know, like since I was a baby. And, but still, when I'm at my house and we like are doing some renovations or something and I see some like Mexican dude out in the working on laying the asphalt or something and I'm going, he's out in the hot sun and I'm going, this is cockeyed as fuck. He's out there doing actual hard fucking work in the sun and I play guitar and like 
he's the one making my driveway. This is fucked. Yeah. And I'm I, like, I really feel like shit sometimes about like, this is what the fuck happened? You know, like wh- how, why is the guy who is doing harder work being paid shit? Yeah. You know? And it's like, there's my, I told this to my therapist and she, she's like, I understand, you mm-hmm. know, but she also said, she told me about this pyramid of competence. Mm-hmm. It's like, as a musician goes, well, how many guitar players do you know? How many do you know that can play and sing at the same time? How many do you know that play, sing at the same time, and write their own songs? How many do you know that play, sing at the same time, write their own songs, and have good business sense? How many do you know that play, sing, write their own songs, have good business sense, and are willing to tour 200 days or more a year? Mm. It, it's, it starts getting narrowed down. And I'm just the crazy motherfucker that will die for this shit. I'll never go back to where I was. I play for my life. Like, I'm not, it's not a job. It's not a, uh, this is my fucking survival, you know? And this is, it's literally everything to me, so. Well, I think even going back to the fact that when you were high on a drug, you reached for your guitar. I've always reached for my guitar. I know that, but it was saying it's a survival. Like it just—I'm just thinking of that. I'm not trying to like link this shit. Maybe no, it's just my guitar has always been my best friend and right. my my coping mechanism through everything. Right. And here's what's crazy though, Billy is people are gonna do all have to do jobs. I remember working at a pizza place, and I would listen to uh, the second the boss would leave, I would turn up fucking Guns and Roses, and I would fucking. Hell right. Oh, dude, I would fucking cry in there and listen to November Rain and fucking threaten other people that worked at the place. <laughs> and I would and I would drink beer back there. I would open up the deep fryers, dude, and I would put pudding in there. I'd put pepper. I'd put anything you could. I would fucking fry it and eat it and drink beer. And uh and but that what I'm saying is Sometimes that person is listening to your music and it's what's making the shift a little bit shorter. It's what's keeping there. So it's like we all, I think, are part of some process where it's like, you know, I remember working on a farm for a couple summers and having to do 14-hour days. and Oh, my God. And, but I would listen to Bailing things. Bailing hay or what were you doing? No, I was running fertilizer, running uh, just help cleaning like the – frogs on the planters like they let me plant after a while i broke some shit i probably still need to hard work man gotta resent or get to ask for an amends but um yeah but it was i just did whatever needed to be done but i would park i remember this i would park that tractor sometimes um i would just park it because i'd be in like 300 acres there'd be nobody around i'd park that tractor i'd stand out on the fucking hood of that thing and i would play like um I would play the, just the top 10 country. It didn't get that. They didn't, they even had an old radio in there. It didn't even, you didn't, couldn't even see, but you knew Hell when you hit the channel. Yeah. And I would just sing the fucking songs. It was, it was like the one moment I had during the day that made me feel good. Or uh-huh. not that made me feel good, but that just fucking. Let it all out. Right. And like. somebody who would probably play those songs had, had maybe done a job that I'd done. Wow. I remember I worked as a pipe at a pipe fitter's place over there in New Orleans over in Destrahan or something. And. We would play uh, that song, uh, I Just Want to Fly. Remember that song? Mm-hmm. Put you on. And it was just kind of a groove. It was one of those songs that hung around for so long in the ether. They kind of overplayed it and shit for sure. And they started playing it at CVS and people wanted to kill themselves and shit. But um, <laughs> but for the first, the younger guys who were like the guys who would just go sit out in the sun and we would paint the, 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 uh, 
the glue onto the pipe so they could fit the rubber in there so that the the hold wouldn't like crack the pipe and stuff. Um, whenever that song came on, we had to go in and dance for the the guys who've been working there for a long time. These welders, dude, and they fucking hated it. But we'd go in, and it was this one fun moment we had during the day that was just ours. Nobody knew about it in the universe. And these fuck it, the first day, none of them even look up from their uh, like welding and shit. But by the third day, they were like these motherfuckers. Yeah, and it was kind of like. It was almost like us, like uh, hazing ourselves in order to be accepted by the other group. Oh, that's great! But I think it's just because of music. Um, we wouldn't if that song never comes on, and, and it's just we never would have done it. You know, it's just like um, there's certain things that it that it does help. So I see what you're saying, man. There's times I like get off stage and I'm walking past like the people, um, the employees that are help cleaning up the stands. Yeah, and I'm no, like, I feel bad for everybody, dude. Always. Is it that you and I want to think about this with you right now, man? Is do you think it's that you that you feel bad or do you feel? Well, I just feel like why do why should I have it better than anybody else, ever for anything? Right. Why should there be anybody out there who's struggling, who's sad, who doesn't have a roof over their heads, and I do? Yeah. It's just like we're all the same, you know. I'm not better than anybody else. Right. I think it's that you got chosen to be a some semblance of, and we all get chosen at certain moments, I think, to be some semblance of hope. That's what I think. Because that's the thing. I hear your story, man. I think about, like, it reminds me of certain things in my own life. It reminds me of people that I know. Um, and then when I hear your music, I'm like, man, this makes me believe that something could be different for me, that something could be different for my son, for my daughter, for... uh a, 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 an, an in-law it gives me hope and so but i think it is hard to hard to accept that 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 you're gonna be a beacon of hope in some way but i think we're all beacons of hope in a different different moments for each other you know like i'll have some people call into the podcast sometime and tell me a guy called in the other day and he said that he's like hey man a few years ago i called in and i was going through a divorce and i was heartbroken he goes and i just want to call today it's three years later and uh, my new wife and I are expecting our firstborn child. Mm -hmm. And it just it like... turned around for him. And in that moment, dude, that guy was my fucking hero. That guy was my Tom Brady when yeah, I listened to that. Totally, man. It was like... So I think there's all like... I don't know. Am I sounding too preachy, man? No. Yeah, I just think that... Yeah, I think that like you just never... We're all just taking turns. I think we're all just taking turns. Um, and you worked so hard at the fucking music. You know? You worked hard at it. Yeah, and it's the best reward that I could ever re receive is somebody saying, hey, man, your song helped me through a tough time or something. And I've got that a bunch, and it's just the best thing ever. Better better than any accolade, better than any, you know, anything like that. It's just the fact that, you know, and my songs have, some of them have helped me. I've written songs that, like I wrote the song and I thought I was writing it for other people to hear and that I feel like what they need. Mm -hmm. Then I sing it for a couple months on stage and one night on stage I'm singing the words and I'm going, oh my God, I wrote this for me. Like I'm the one that needs to hear this message. Wow. You know? It's just like, holy shit. That's crazy. Yeah, I think we're all like instruments of a higher power, you know? And I do, I just... Yeah, we just don't know how we're being used. It's funny, man. I'll get home and I'll be tired or whatever. I mean, everybody's fucking tired and shit. And 
but I'll go to the airport now. And sometimes at the airport, you still see somebody waiting for their kid to come home from the military or waiting for a boyfriend or girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Or you'll still you'll see a guy out there with flowers waiting to see his wife. And that guy or person or family is my like, they are my damn Frederick Douglass. You know, like they fucking, that's the, like, they're my, he, whatever they, you know, I don't even know their name. And they are like my Mozart for the month. Mm-hmm. Just seeing that there's like, pieces of excitement and hope yeah um anyway uh but what do you what do you think do you think there's something do you think there's like a illness in america or in our culture that because we go through a lot of cities and towns and it's like they you start to feel like there's an energy missing from the culture do you feel that at all or do you think that's just i don't know what it is man i mean i don't know shit i just yeah me neither I know none of us do. We can just sit here and bullshit about it, but I don't. I don't know. I feel like people are just cruel to each other, you know. And I, but it's also not in real life. Like online, they are. Oh yeah, and, online is crazy. Man. But but I'm just saying, like at the height of the, you know, political tensions and stuff like that, like a couple of years ago with Trump and everything. It's like you just go online and you see everybody just, you know, talking shit to each other. But then you look up from your phone and you're in the airport and nobody's doing that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, are you guys actually enemies or are you guys just doing this online? Because you're all here in the same airport and nobody's saying shit. <laughs> yeah. So what the fuck? You know, it's like, I feel like the internet just spews and, and breeds like hatred like that. You yeah. Know? The, okay. Not the internet, maybe like social media or whatever. But um, I just feel like it's just some... It's great for some things and it's not so good for other things. You know, I wouldn't say something maybe to your face that I would say online or whatever, you know. Yeah. Oh, def. Yeah. I think there's things you can comment like um, that but it's the, easier but online. But is it different to hear? It, you know, it, it, let's say I wouldn't stare you in the eyes and say, you're a fucking piece of shit, you know. Yeah. But if I said that online and you receive it, is it any different than me actually saying it to you? Well, wow, it's interesting. Because when you read it, you're still, okay, this person thinks I'm a piece of shit. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's definitely not good. I'm amazed that we allow it to happen to our culture. Like, or that we allow, like, you would think there would be a governing entity, and maybe I don't understand government sometimes or something, that would say, hey, this isn't good for us. Mm-hmm. We'll allow it during, you know, maybe you allow it during certain hours of the day. You know what I'm saying? Or I would, it's the same like with the opiates. It's like, hey, a company that is fucking killing people, that is people selling their grandmothers in like third generation egg beater to cop a pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you're not good for us. You know, like it would just think like. They're good for the economy, man. Right. But it's like, at what point does that even have any because people are sick. I don't even think we're sick on the outside. I feel like our souls are sick and we're out here having to like take care of them. That's why people need to listen to more bluegrass. There we go. You know, <laughs> that's probably the truth. Too. It really is, man. Well, look, the power of music, man, the power of music. Dude, if I had to work all day and listen to no music, I mean, when, when in slave times they sang, they made beautiful fucking music to get yeah. them through. Um, yeah, and the prison lines too. Them guys out there hammering away and shit. Them songs, man. Um, oh yeah, I saw this. Here's this is this is 
pretty captivating. Uh, a dying mom blown away after she creates final song for her son, and it makes the Billboard charts. Mm. This is really cool. This is Kat Janice, I think. Yeah, 31-year-old Kat Janice noticed a lump on her neck in 2021 that doctors diagnosed as sarcoma, a rare type of tumor that collects within the bone and tissue and is also, no joke, I went to school with a girl named Sarcoma Jackson growing up at fucking William Pitcher Junior High School. Um, <laughs> move on, though. What else did it say about her on that article? Cat uh, was declared cancer-free after undergoing treatment, but the cancer sadly returned in June 2023, this time in her lungs. Uh, one of the ways in which Cat coped with diagnosis is through music. Uh, in a video she violently shared to social media after finding about her most recent diagnosis, she said, I'm going to go back into treatment. I'm going to be really strong about it. Um, the mother posted an update to her health back in January to her followers, January 10th, 2024. The tumor's basically tripled overnight. Oh, she's in hospice now. Um, oh, she said she's going to make... She told the publication that she signed her entire discography over to her son and added she wanted to release one final track. And this is the track, I guess, that's been blowing up. Wow. It's cool, man. I'll have to check it out. Um, actually, you can probably play play like a, play like a little bit of it. You might be able to put these on. You'll throw these on for a second. I just want to hear this cat Janice. Let's go, Cat Janice, baby. <laughs> I like it, bro. I do. That's exciting, man. That's a, and what a neat thing just to be able to have it. I can't believe it's interesting. You know, I think that shows you people want to like support things that make them feel something. You know, people know she's making that song. She has a son. They think about it. You know, I can't imagine you're in hospice and that happens. It's gotta just keep you. Well, it's like what I was talking about earlier. Um, you know how the music was like rock and roll and then the hippies wanted acoustic music and then it got back into like some heavy stuff in the 70s and then disco happened yeah and then eventually people were like okay enough of disco like let's and then grunge and then oh, you know like 90s yesterday you know like yeah and then uh and then it, now it's been kind of like electronic music and hip hop has been sort of like reigning supreme and i think people are just they like to hear a guy strumming a guitar again or playing drums you know or sitting there playing an instrument and singing i, I don't know we At want something hope, real yeah i want something real i think that's i, I just i want to see i want to fucking see something that means something to somebody i don't want something that feels like it's you know i don't know contrived for yeah mass, yes you know i'm just i think part of me is tired of feeling tricked yeah, I mean, it's kind of like... And, uh, and addicted to the tricks. Well, you know, when you take away all the stuff that... I mean, I, I, I want to use 
all of the technology I can to make music, at least that my peers are. It seems like every time we get into a studio with a producer or something, because we're a bluegrass band, they go, oh man, we're going to record you straight to tape and it's going to, you know, super old school like it's the 50s or something. And I'm going, well, fuck, man. All my peers are using auto-tune and shit. This ain't fair. <laughs> like, Right. You know? So it's like we kind of want one thing, but then we also want to we want to use the things that can help us. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just like, you know, what do you do? But when you kind of take all that stuff away and just hear a song that's just like a guy strumming a guitar and singing something that means something, I think it's just, I don't know, it's more pure or something. Yeah, pull up that one where you and uh, Posty were doing that. Yeah, and why he's not our in, in our ambassador to United Nations or whatever. I know, he's le- literally the kindest guy I've he's ever unbelievable the vietnamese love him everybody loves this guy he like even he was he had a sig and he was like can i put it out like oh he's just the nicest guy ever let's get yeah can we listen a little bit can you just play it for us if we put these back on yeah i want to hear a little bit of this man dude that's cool man it just looks fun yeah, he just hit me up and was like, man, come out. And then when we were just hanging, I was like, you want to come sing one? He's like, fuck yeah. Wow, that's cool. So I was like, let's do that Johnny Cash song we did at your house. How fun is it when a, a like a special guest gets on a concert? Is it really just... It can be fun. It can. It just depends, you know. Yeah. This was really fun. See, he asked me if he could drop his cigarette on my stage. What a gentleman. I respect that. It's like when you're at comedy and somebody puts their feet up on the stage in the front. Dude, where the fuck did that shirt go? God, yeah. I man. lost that shirt. I don't know where the fuck it went. Grab that gun. There you go, Billy Boy. That's so cool, man. that's awesome man that's good dude i think it's just i think well that's the thing it's like i think one reason people love musicians it's just you can make something that makes people feel good pretty quick you're like a drug you know you're a drug it's a damn drug dude you know when i was uh getting my wisdom tooth pulled out Mm -hmm. i was all I don't know if, no, I wasn't nitrous. either. I think they knocked me out, and when I came back too, I was all kind of loopy or something. But either way, I was like getting super sentimental and like emotional about, there was this this woman, this endodontist or whatever, she, you know, and I was like, oh my God, you've literally, for one thing, I fucking hated school. You went to more school yeah. <laughs> so that you could help people. That is so noble. Yeah. You literally went to more school, which is like the worst fucking shit in the world. Just so that you could help people in their life and help people with their face and their teeth. Like, oh my God, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just, yeah. No, look, that's true, dude. Yeah, sometimes our perspective, I just got to have a good perspective. It's like, 
thank you for, I mean, you put in the work, a doctor or something like that. I mean, a musician too, a chef. Fuck. Yeah. This motherfucker spent all this time learning how to brew this beer that tastes so good now or whatever. It's like, thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't think of a chef as somebody making beer immediately, but I respect well, it. Well, no, a but brewer, like a, a brewer, a chef, oh, okay. an a artist, brewer. Yes. a fucking, you I'm know. Like if you or if you're going to a, if you're going to like a five-star <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> man, you made this beer <laughs> and, the, and the steak's good too, man. God damn. Yeah, I like a, a medium pale ale. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Medium rare for me. <laughs> Keep mine a little bloody. Um, but no, it's like. No, you're right, man. Th respecting the artistry that people put into things. Yeah. And even as a, a, a thing like a chef, I think they're, you know, because some chefs, they love being chefs, man. I talked to my buddy Brad last night. He's a chef in uh, Nashville. He loves being a chef. Mm -hmm. He's talking about it. And he's just excited about it. And yeah. You I think find that thing you love, man. Respecting the artistry of things. Respect for the craft. Yeah. My, yeah. My buddy Corey Wong was telling me that he was on tour somewhere over in, I don't know, but they met this cheese maker, this fucking guy who was all about cheese. Oh, yeah. And so they were trying all these different cheeses and shit. And at the end of it, they were like, okay, well, we want to take some to go. And they were like trying to figure out where to how to package it. And Corey's like, well, we can just all put it in one bag. And the cheese maker was like, nah, like respect for the craft, dog. We ain't putting mixing up the cheeses. Yeah, they all go in their own container. Yeah, Gorgonzola, first of all, has been in solitary confinement for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we're nice. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. not allowed to be around the other inmates <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a good point. Respecting the craft of things. Well, and I think that goes back to some things in Amer in our in our society, bro. And I, I talk about this kind of stuff a lot because I think it's been. I'm wondering why there's so much addiction and stuff in the world and why people f are sick or what is sick inside of us. And I think one thing that people need to have is purpose. And I think people used to feel more purpose when they had like, you knew who the guy in your town was that was like owned the wood shop and was the woodworker or, you mm -hmm. know, or you knew who um, was the cheesemaker who made the best pastries. When life was like Mayberry. When it was just a little bit more like unindustrial, like un uh, mass, where it just where everything wasn't a Krispy Kreme. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's not a exactly because then it was like I got to go. I know oh, the baker, dude. I can learn from the baker, and the baker felt value in the town because he can share information, and it came yeah. from his grandparents. And so then your grandparents had value, and there was lineage, and like yeah. I think that things like that were important. And now you go through a lot of cities and, and, and towns in America, and there's there's not a lot of that. I think that's, you know, not to just tie everything to bluegrass music, but I think that's part of the reason why people love bluegrass music is it's almost a, a tap back into that world before all of the industrialization, like when people were sitting on their porch picking and you knew the neighbor and they came down for dinner and... Yeah. You know, Floyd cut everybody's hair and a Andy Griffith was the sheriff. And, you know, it was like a simpler times, really. Yeah. Dude, our bus driver gave everybody same cut, dude. R.I.P. Ray, uh, I don't know what his name was. Deceased Ray, I guess they call him now or whatever. But he was our bus driver and also had the barbershop in town. And it was like the red and white barber pole nice. and everybody went Classic. in there. Yeah, and you'd wait. You have to go if you knew if you didn't get there early. It was like 3, 325 or something. But on the bus days, once a month, he would cut on the bus. And so he would cut everybody's hair. It was like $2, bro. Everybody got same haircut, man, woman, 
down center, whatever you had, everybody got the same exact cut on that bitch. You roll, dude, we all had the same cut in town. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you knew, yeah. So it's kind of, those are the echelons. If you went and got it cut actually at the shop or if you got one of those bus cuts, dude. Nice. Ray would just rattle people off, bro. Yeah, got the old bus cut. Yeah, it was a different time. Rattling um, Ray. Dude, you've gotten to do so much with music, man. Uh, yeah, I think what I was asking about was sitting there with the uh, with your parents was just that energy when you're sitting there waiting to get called. That's almost the most exciting thing, whether you win or not. It's just that that's really, that's the coolest, is just being in that moment where there's possibility. Well, there is possibility. I mean, today's the day. You can wake up and decide that today is the day that I'm going to just, you know, it's not all going to happen overnight, but it's like we can start chipping away at it. We can start doing whatever it is to uh, be better or work harder or whatever it is that you feel like you need to do. I like to set goals for myself, write them down. You really? know, like Yeah, just like, what do I want to do, you know? Like, I have this little journal where it's just like, what do I, what do I want? What do I want in life? Like, I want happiness, I guess. Or also, like, goals for myself, like, what... You know, I want to like, I smoke like mad amounts of weed, mm -hmm. like to the point where it's like, okay, I should probably at least cut back. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, just for the, you know. I was <laughs> oh, just you smoking weed. That's a big old joint. That's a real joint? Yeah. That's, oh my God, bro. That is a That's damn, just like Tuesday morning. Bro, that's a prosthetic limb. Yeah. Oh my God, bro. You're smoking out of somebody's damn. That's like a four year old's tibia. <laughs> that thing is a fucking, bro. That thing should have an ankle on the end of it. Hell yeah, bro. Oh, yeah. Hold it up like Simba. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's like, you know, I'm trying to like just eat little edibles and, and, and just vape more and stuff because mm -hmm. one of my doctors told me, he just gave me this list of things like to survive. And it was just like, you know, don't eat sugar like don't smoke anything ever like you know have a lot of sex like get exercise go fishing that's all good stuff for you to you know i don't know it, it, it almost it almost seems like it would be like self-explanatory or something just like okay like do things that make me happy and don't eat and ingest things that are bad for me it's like but how hard is that to do to like go out like I eat a lot of sugar, like candy, and it's good. I love fucking Coca Cola, dude, on ice. Oh my god, so fucking good. And then you're drinking it, and you're just thinking, man, I'm just drinking like sugar right now. Yeah, I'm just drinking pure misery for my body. My man. doctor told me any white powders are bad, pretty much. Oh yeah, mm, yeah. Even flour, they say, is not that good for you. Yeah, that's one of them that he said. I like flour. I guess I don't even know. You don't even see it anymore. Like you used to always see flour when I was fucking a kid. Martha White, self-rising flour. God, my mother would God get that fucking him. flour out, and then she would beat us. Yes, and then the way it just clouds everywhere when. Oh yeah, during a beating. Mm -hmm. Ugh, it's fucking great. Nothing like it. Yeah, like yeah. baby powder doesn't do the same. Doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, it can't. It just yeah. You can't hide a child's beating behind some. Yeah, you need f that real Martha that White self-rising self flour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, My grandma used to try to beat me with these. Um, <laughs> she used to try. To, <laughs> it was funny because it didn't hurt, but it was like those little thin little balsa wood things you stir paint with. Oh, yeah. And me and my brother 
we used to pretend like it really hurt just to not hurt grandma's feelings. She'd be like, all right, I'm going to give you a beating. And she'd hit us and we'd be all, ow, ow. And then we'd walk around the corner and he'd be like, did that hurt? I'd be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't hurt. We literally pretended <laughs> like it hurt just to not hurt her feelings. Yeah. That's interesting, man. That's just empathy at a young level. Yeah, we used to do that with my dad. My dad was so old, and he would, my mom would make him go beat us or spank us or whatever. But <laughs> And we would just be, like, screaming, even though it didn't hurt. He was, like, 80 years old hitting us with his belt. Um, <laughs> what, uh... They can't do that anymore, can you? I don't, I mean, I think if you don't... I don't have kids, but, like, I feel like... If your kid doesn't have social media, you can, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's a difference between reprimanding your child, but it's just crazy. It's like, I don't know. We just. I don't know. I got spankings when I was younger. I mean, yeah. but it wasn't long after that, that I just kind of had no rules, you know? And but, Yeah. But when I was young, young, yeah, I got a couple lickings. It wasn't anything terrible. It was, I think it made me a better person, you know? I mean, it was like. I don't know. I guess there's a line that's drawn. I was never abused physically, like, you know, but I had a go, couple good lickings. Yeah. And them old the time old timers I heard stories from, it was like, oh man. They used to do that in school. I had it happen to me in school. Did you? They yeah. whip you? Bill Brady, I think was his name, or and he might have changed his name because he whooped a lot of kids in our town, but Whoa. he uh but I'll say this, man. I saw him not too long ago. A friend of mine what passed now, away. What now, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine passed away. No, no, no. And honestly, he was the coolest Try fucking dude. Try to whoop dude. me now, bro. <laughs> he was the coolest dude, bro. And I totally was like, this dude, I would, bro, I'd give the dude $11 to freaking beat me now for no reason, Yeah, <laughs> just for fun. Yeah, just to have it. Yeah. Bro, he was the coolest guy, bro. A friend of mine, yeah, passed. My friend Will passed from addiction, man, and... um. And that's where I saw him at, was at his funeral. Oh, damn. And um, He whooped you and Will probably, huh? He probably, he probably, yeah. I mean, we buff. I'm sure we, I, I deserved it. Yeah. I know. I I should still roll over and just let him beat me for a half hour. I still. Sounds like you kind of want him to do that. I, yeah, I mean, look. It's kind of like some deep-seated shit. <laughs> yeah, look, dude. It, after you get older, it's hard to find things that really make you feel something. You I know. know. So, um, you got to go back to that childhood shit that really, yeah. it's like. Really gasses you up. Yeah, yeah. But then you're like, whoa, this is kind of fucked up. Like, why why would I like this? Yeah. Huh. Start thinking about yourself. Yeah, thinking about yourself. And it's sometimes it's a trap thinking about yourself too much. Um, Just let it happen, right? <laughs> what else do we want to talk about? Anything else? Uh, you, we got your water. I know we, I wanted to say that. This is good, man. Yeah. And this is, a, are they all seltzer or not? Yeah. Yeah, they're all, there's, none of them have like booze in them or anything. This is the only flavor. We're actually doing a grape one next. Like grape drink. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. good. And then. Um, oh, that reminds me. Mattress Mac just came out. He was sipping lean. You know who that is? He bet on the Houston Astros to win the World Series. And if every, if they won, then like every like mixed couple got a mattress or whatever in Houston. That's him? That's him right there. Damn. He looks hard as fuck. He's G'd out. Dude, he's sipping. No way. Yeah. <laughs> With the Jolly Ranchers? <laughs> Did you get chopped and screwed by a competitor who said they were going to hook it up, then went ghost when it was time for your delivery? Here at Gallery Furniture, you know, we say knocking on doors like Pepsi and Little Kiki 
Gang, dude. Gang, bro. Dude, that's, that's good, my man. boy. That's where it's at now. I think it's like, hey, you want to pull up, cop this Ottoman, you know, you want to pull up, you know, and uh, and we'll serve you, you know, we'll break you off with this lazy boy. Yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of gang gang, what's the Rat King thing? The Rat King. Do you know what a rat king is? I've heard about this before. It's a group of rats. It's like a group of rats that are all, their tails are all tangled up. It's the most fucked up thing ever. This guy, my friend said I look like this guy from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a rat king. <laughs> and so it's just a dude who's not doing well, <laughs> who, has a, who has a couple of rats with him. Okay, so. The, all right. I and, get it now. So you kind of are like the ringleader of the rats and shit. I'm just a fucking guy who's just trying to f get get a little bit of cheese, man, and make it through. That Monterey Jack? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to not Monterey Jack off anymore either, dude. I'm trying to lay off the old hand, uh, the old body uh, spout, you know? Are you doing the uh, retention thing? No, I'm not doing that and just saving it up for somebody, unless they're going to pay for it or something, you know? I know. Yeah. What the hell? Any, like, uh, artist collabs you've done? You've done some... Amazing one so far, man. Um, you're a Grammy winner. You got to sit there with your parents and go to the red carpet and go to the Grammys. Take them from Michigan over there. That's so fascinating. Yeah, they came from Ionia down there to the Were Grammys. Were they just fascinated? Yeah, I mean, they're just proud of me and I'm proud of them. And, and we're all just like really happy, you know. And and uh, my brother's got two young kids, my niece and nephew, Jimmy and Bill. And they're just like, really awesome and i don't know my family is just doing so good these days and it's that's all i've ever wanted you know it's like we've had some rough patches as every family does and stuff yeah. but, but um man we've kind of i don't know everybody's just doing pretty good these days and it just makes me so happy cuz that's what i've always really wanted is just for everybody to be okay you know yeah and um I think a lot of people can relate to that, man. Hell you know? yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, it was, it was cool bringing them out there. And my dad's that's as far west as he's ever gone. He's only been on an airplane twice. Wow. He's a 55. He's, yeah, born in 1955, only been on an airplane two times. And this was in the last, like, year. Wow. First time in L.A. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy experience. What a, that's such a, such a ride. Yeah. And to get to be at the Grammys and see all those other musicians and stuff. And for my mom, too. Like, I remember growing up, she would watch, like, the E! channel and stuff. And she's, like, into the fashion. She's into all that shit. Like, she used to watch, like, the red carpet shit. So it was cool to be able to bring her and for her to see all them crazy outfits and shit like that. You know, she's all into that shit. So it was it was kind of neat. But I just love my dad's. Like, that one guy was like, who are you wearing? And he's like, I got Levi's. <laughs> He's like, my son bought me this shirt, and this came from, I got it at a Western store. He's just like, it's, uh, you know, it's not no uh, Gucci or nothing. It's just No, it's perfect. Dude. Got it at a Western store. Yeah. <laughs> um, what music are you listening to right now, Billy? I'm, people ask you all the time. Let's Anybody's see. Popping Let's just see if head? I pull up my Spotify. What, what? Yeah, what pops up? Let's see. Uh, I'll go on on repeat. Okay, I'm just going to read them down. Yeah. 
on repeat, number one, the grudge, Tool. That's only on there because I had to learn that because I pl- I sat in with Tool and I had to listen to that song about 300 fucking times that day. Paris, Suicide Boys, number two. Suicide Boys? Yep. No way, bro. They're going to come on in, uh, in April. Are they? Yeah, bro. I Fuck just texted yeah. Ruby and Scrim last night. That's crazy. Dude, that's crazy you said them, oh dude. Oh, my God. I fuck with them hard. Bro, okay. they're whole, bro. Now check this out. We got Tool, we got Suicide Boys, directly to James King, the old swinging bridge. Oh, yeah. God. And then we got Pike County Breakdown. Earl Scruggs. Uh... Low down, Hank three. Yeah, you fuck with Hank three at all? Um, I don't listen to it that Hank much. Wayne. I should though. Uh, I got riding the Danville Pike Blue Highway. Donna Lee, Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. Concerning Hobbits, Howard Shore. This is on my on repeat. So. I love that, man. Oh, yeah. You guys probably can't play that shit on there. My bad. That's okay. Um, still, on the audio version, we can. The Flower and the Corpse, Flesh and Blood Robot. The Game, Blue Highway. Harbor of Love, Stanley Brothers. Stratosphere Boogie, Jimmy Bryant. Um, Cold Virginia Night, Ronnie Bowman. SOS, West Montgomery. Scapegoat Blues, Jimmy Herring. Uh, Whale, Bud Powell. Something in the Way, Nirvana. Uh... More Ronnie Bowman, uh, more Suicide Boys, Hank Three, Gang, uh, Long Tall Sally, Lil Rich. Yep, dude, I used to love uh, Chuck Berry, bro. Oh fuck yeah, man! I used to listen to so much Chuck Berry. He's the shit. What have I been listening? I was listening to Stephen Wilson, Jr. Mm-hmm. Um. Is there anything else that you want to share, Billy, or anything else you were thinking about? Well, do you want to play anything? Are you cool? You don't have. I'm not saying you have to at all. And I just saw you. I brought, could. I could play something. You brought uh, an instrument. Yeah, let me rock a piss or something. I could pick a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Dude. Um, oh, uh, one question I had. When you're. Oh, is there something on your mind? Well, no. I was just saying. Uh, you know, I've just been working on a record like the last couple weeks. We started um, out in L.A working at this studio and it's just like I'm kind of at the point in my career right now where I I just don't feel like I need to go into like a big studio and 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 have all that like so the last year and a half I've been sort of building a studio at my house and we just started cutting there um we've done two sessions so far like we we were there for like a week and then we were there for like 5 days so I got like 21 song, new songs in the can Wow! that I recorded at home. And it's so awesome because like, you know, the vibe is so killer there. We have the whole house and then the studio is just like one little section. So whenever you're not in the studio, you, you have a whole house. Plus I sort of live out in the country and like we can like ride bikes and stuff while we're at the studio and like go outside and just, you know, it's just like such a, killer vibe so that's what i've been doing the last couple weeks is working at home and um making a record and it's pretty badass man i'm I'm loving like having my own studio to work at yeah oh yeah i mean that's 
yeah. I mean, it's one reason why I like having my job here at home. You know, it's nice to be able to just have your job at home. Um, oh yeah. Do you have a uh, Do you have a family at home or no? I have a wife. Oh, you do. And I have a cat. Okay, that's a family. Yeah. Oh, in some cultures, yeah. Japan. <laughs> in Japan, that's considered, I think, a large family. Right. Yeah. Um. Cool, man. Uh. Yeah. Well, let me rock a piston and I'll pick a tune for you. Or yeah, something. will you? Yeah. That'd be sweet of you, man. Thank you so much. Wow. This guitar right here is like, it's my pride and joy. This is a 1940 Martin D28. Praise God, baby. Dang. Yeah, man. Wow. Who gave it to you? Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> You recording in there? Well, since we were talking about all that. All them powders and such. Gotta give you guys this little cautionary tale. Okay, okay, amen, brother. Gotta get her in tune first. Oh, yeah. Cocaine blues. Or wait, some people call it tell it to me. Well, sniffing that cocaine all over town, honey, don't let my deal go down. Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be. It was meant for horses, not for men Doctor said he'd kill you, but he didn't know when Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be Yeah, tell it to me, tell it to me Drink corn liquor, let the cocaine be Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be <laughs> Yeah, tell it to me, tell it to me Drink corn liquor, let the cocaine be Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be Walking up the fields, going down main, trying to find a nickel for to buy cocaine. Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be. It'll burn out your nose, your eyes turn red. The goddamn cocaine will kill you dead. Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be. Yeah, tell it to me, tell, tell it to, to me. Drink corn liquor, let the cocaine be. Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be. Yeah, tell it to me, tell it to me. Drink corn liquor, let the cocaine be. Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be. Sniffing that cocaine just like snuff Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be Well, tell it to me, tell it to me Drink corn liquor, let the cocaine be Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be 
Yeah, tell it to me, tell it to me Drink corn liquor, let the cocaine be Hey, hey, buddy, let the cocaine be so cool <laughs> wow man got one more for you alright this one's from uh, the late great Blaze Foley I wanna go home with an armadillo spread her little legs and really try to thrill her to her very soul with my cowboy pole oh scaly skin around my face lord i'll be her saving grace i wanna go home <laughs> with an armadillo my cowboy pole wake up in the morning with my head on my pillow my finger in her ass you know I'll thrill her. I wanna go home with an armadillo on my cowboy pole. Amen. I wanna go home with an armadillo sleeping on my pillow next to me. My rough old hands in my Vaseline. Oh, she made a fool of me. No more songs about armadillos. Na, 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 na. <laughs> I wanna go home with an armadillo on my cowboy pole. I wanna go home with an armadillo on my cowboy pole. Let's go. <laughs> Bro, that's so cool, the old man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bro, look. Everybody wants to catch a stray, man. That's for damn sure. <laughs> God, yeah, because sometimes you're just laying there after you hit them, and you're like, now what do we do? Um, <laughs> what the? <laughs> Billy Strings, dude. Uh, thank you so much, man. Oh. What is that feeling you have whenever you're pl whenever you lock in on a? You know, there's there's videos that you go just in there. Is it a video to keep going? Or are you just are you still knowing where you're placing stuff, or is it just like a second language? What is it like? I just get inside of there and try to, you know, trying to pay attention. I don't know, like almost feels like stuff goes away. Everything else goes away sometimes. Like when I'm on stage and I'm really getting focused, it's kind of like playing basketball. I imagine it's like you got to pay attention. If, if somebody passes you the ball and you're not ready to catch it. You know yeah. what I mean? With me and my band, it's like we're just in there. We're super focused. We're playing. And it's like we're passing the ball around. It's like I imagine it's kind of like playing ball, you know? It's like you got to be in the fucking focus, you yeah. know? Yeah. Wow, it's fascinating, man. Dude, thanks so much, bro. You made me – dude, you just – Thank man, you, brother. I think I was just kind of having a day, too, and just like – it just this was just like about like – it just made me like feel like what's important, just talking about stuff with people. It's important. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Billy Strings, check him out wherever he is. Uh, where will people be able, I mean, you'll just be touring again sometime. It's so funny. I was just saying, because I've been going to places where you had played and everybody's like, that motherfucker's crazy. That's what they say everywhere, bro. That's it's, awesome. It's awesome. Well, man, if you ever want to come out to a show, just let me know. I'll put you on the list and, and stuff. You're always welcome. So. I appreciate it, man. Same, bro. Thank you so much. Billy Strings. Thank you. Now I'm just floating.
on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh 